are we now, Lyd? Um, chapter 17. That's right, this is Matt, Lydia's father. Yeah, we're starting chapter 17. Yeah, if you were wondering, um, you might heard my dad say it, it's a daddy-daughter podcast, and you might have wondered who is who. So, um, just to remind you, um, 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 Lydia is the little one. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> that was excellent. Okay, chapter 17, Springtime. The spring, so dear to all creatures, young and old, came at last, and before the first few days of it had gone, the king rode through its budding valleys to see his little daughter. He had been in a distant part of his dominions all the winter, for he was not in the habit of stopping in one great city, or of visiting only his favorite country houses, but he moved from place to place that all his people might know him. Wherever he journeyed, he kept a constant lookout for the ablest and best men to put into office. And wherever he found himself mistaken, and those he had appointed incapable or unjust, he removed them at once. Hence, you see, it was his care of the people that kept him from seeing his princess so often as he would have liked. You may wonder why he did not take her about with him, but there were several reasons against his doing so, and I suspect her great-great-grandmother had had a principal hand in preventing it. Once more, Irene heard the bugle blast, and once more she was at the gate to meet her father as he rode up on his great white horse, and I want to apologize in advance. I have a little bit of oil in my eyes this evening. It's making reading a little tough. There we go. Oh, yeah, it is. So, yeah. let's get back to the story. Sure. For folks of you who agree with me, thank you. <laughs> thank you for agreeing with Lydia. That is what we're saying here. How did I get oil in my eyes, Lyd? Um, we were playing makeup mm -hmm. a little bit earlier. And I was pretending to be Night Rose, she's a superhero, and Daddy was pretending to be a Joker, and he got oil in his eyes. It's we'll true. It yeah, the oil was used to remove the makeup, and yeah, a little bit of it has clung to me. Anyway, let me continue. After they had been alone for a little while, she thought of what she had resolved to ask him. Please, King Papa, she said, will you tell me where I got this pretty ring? I can't remember. The king looked at it. A strange, beautiful smile spread like sunshine over his face, and an answering smile, but at the same time a questioning one, spread like moonlight over Irene's. It was your queen mamma's once, he said. And why isn't it hers now? asked Irene. She does not want it now, said the king, looking grave. Why doesn't she want it now? Because she's gone where all those rings are made. And when shall I see her, asked the princess. Not for some time yet, answered the king, and the tears came into his eyes. Irene did not remember her mother and did not know why her father looked so and why the tears came into his eyes but she put her arms around his neck and kissed him and asked no more questions. 
the king was much disturbed on hearing the report of the gentlemen-at-arms concerning the creatures they had seen and i presume would have taken irene with him that very day but for what the presence of the ring on her finger assured of him of about an hour before he left irene saw him go up the old stair and he did not come down again till they were just ready to start and she thought with herself that he had been up to see the old lady when he went away he left other six gentlemen behind him that there might be six of them always on guard and now in the lovely spring weather irene was out on the mountain the greater part of the day in the warmer hollows there were lovely primroses and not so many that she ever got tired of them as often as she saw a new one opening an eye of light in the blind earth she would clap her hands with gladness and unlike some children i know instead of pulling it would touch it as tenderly as if it had been a new baby and having made its acquaintance would leave it hap as happy as she found it she treated the plants on which they grew like birds nests every fresh flower was like a little new bird to her she would pay visits to all the flower nests she knew remembering each by itself she would go down on her hands and knees beside one and say good morning are you all smelling very sweet this morning goodbye and then she would go to another nest and say the same it was a favorite amusement with her there were many flowers up and down and she loved them all but the primroses were her favorites they're not too shy and they're not a bit forward she would say to ludy there were goats too about over the mountain and when the little kids came she was as pleased with them as with the flowers the goats belonged to the miners mostly a few of them to curdie's mother but there were a good many wild ones that seemed to belong to nobody these the goblins counted theirs and it was upon them partly that they lived they set snares and dug pits for them and did not scruple to take what tame ones happened to be caught but they did not try to steal them in any, any other manner because they were afraid of the dogs the hill people kept to watch them for the knowing dogs always tried to bite their feet but the goblins had a kind of sheep of their own very queer creatures which they drove out to feed at night and the other goblin creatures were wise enough to keep good watch over them for they knew they should have their bones by and by that is the end of chapter 17 the princess and the goblin by george mcdonald wrote i'm welcome back to sleep time stories Sweet dreams, everyone. And just to remind you, we're reading the version of The Princess and the Goblin that is recorded on Gutenberg.org, and I recommend it for finding all kinds of wonderful classic stories that are in the public domain. Good night, everyone. Sleep. Good night. Sleep well.